you know, some of us, what, what we do is we use prayer as an excuse for doing nothing. And <laughs> that's not that's not the point. Uh, you know, the issue is that we pray about the issue. We study the issue and see what God's word teaches us on the issue and then get involved in application. Welcome, everybody, to Conversations That Matter. I am your host, Alex Newman. Our guest today, Charles Van Beek. He is an extraordinary Christian individual. Uh, his book, Shooting Back, The Right and Duty of Self-Defense, tells the story of his um, heroic deed when uh, his church, uh, the St. James Church in South Africa, was attacked uh, on July 25th, 1993, the St. James Massacre. Uh, Charles took his firearm and returned fire at the terrorists and saved countless lives in the process. Uh, today, with the world under the threat of terrorism like never before, uh, Charles joins us to share some of his insights. Uh, Charles Van Beek, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, for the folks out there who aren't familiar with your story, let's start with that. So terrorists bust into the uh, the church, July 25th, 1993. You pull out your gun and uh, return fire. Talk to us about that. Yes, Alex. So what happened was the, we were actually sitting listening to some young people on the stage that were singing when all of a sudden the terrorists burst into the congregation. They had automatic rifles with them, and they also had hand grenades and had attached nails to the outside of the grenades. They lobbed the grenades into the congregation and then opened up fire with their automatic rifles. You can just imagine the chaos that happened. Uh, it was a large church built very much like a cinema, so very high at the back and low in the front with a stage. And uh, there were about a thousand people present that evening. It was a cold winter's night in July uh, in South Africa, in the Southern Hemisphere. So very cold and wintry. So only about a thousand people were present, but they all went down onto the ground as low as possible. And I was sitting fourth row from the back of the church and I had a 38 special revolver with me, a little two inch barrel. I went down with everybody else onto the floor and I pulled my uh, 38 Special from my ankle holster uh, and in a kneeling position, literally because of the, the way the church was built, like a cinema, I could literally kneel. And I took two shots at the attackers inside the church. Uh, just uh, a quick overview. I realized that I'm too far away from them, can't shoot over a thousand people at that distance in this large auditorium. I needed to get in behind them at close range and shoot them in the back to stop the attack. So I went onto all fours, crawled to the aisle, ran out the back door of the church. Uh, when I got outside, the terrorists were already at their getaway car, and one of them was standing at the back left door of the car with his rifle on his hip, looking at the door they had come out of. And all I could think was that he was expecting me to come running out of that door, and he would have blown me away. But by God's grace, I was behind them. I took my last three shots at them. They jumped in the car and they drove off. So what had actually happened was inside the church, now I didn't know it at the time, but I'd hit one of them with one of my rounds inside the church. And that's why they fled. Wow. That's a powerful testimony, Charles. Now, um, you know, there, there is, uh, of course, as, as you know, well, there is a school of thought that, uh, well, you know, Christians should just kind of turn the other cheek. And, uh, you know, if terrorists want to slaughter you, then uh, just, you know, sit there and, and be slaughtered, be a good victim. Uh, that's not the position you took. And that's not the position you take. Uh, explain uh, why you believe uh, self-defense is justified, especially when you're defending innocent uh, victims here. 
Yes, it's actually quite interesting that you bring that up because I was in an interview with the commander of the attackers of the Azanian People's Liberation Army. His name was Letlapa Mpichlele. And he was saying to a reporter in my presence, he said, uh, I see that Charles' own people, uh, speaking about Christians, are not very happy with what he did, uh, returning fire at our uh, cadres. And he said, what did they expect him to do? Sit and watch? <laughs> and so I thought, isn't that amazing that the Christians that disagree with me returning fire, but yet a, uh, a terrorist commander thinks I did the right thing in terms of uh, my position. It just doesn't make sense. But uh, the Lord's very uh, open about that in our scriptures. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Um, provision is also uh, to provide security and safety for our families. In First Timothy, then in Exodus 22, we read about a thief and he's caught breaking in and he's struck so that he dies. The defender is not guilty of bloodshed. In other words, at night when you can't see him, it's a high-risk situation. You could lose your life easily. Um, there's a justifiable um, uh, killing, uh, uh, you know, in Exodus 22. Proverbs 25, 26, like a muddied spring or polluted well is a righteous man who gives way to the wicked. And I believe that... Uh, giving way to the wicked on that evening would have been completely unjustified that I had a duty, uh, not just a right, I had a duty uh, to defend the innocent. And then we obviously know Luke 22, where Jesus tells his disciples, um, if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Very well-known scripture where Jesus um, tells his uh, disciples to arm themselves with the best military weapons of their time. So I think biblically and theologically, um, there's a good basis for Christians to actually take a stand against wickedness. And if it means protecting innocent life, and we need to use lethal force to do that, then that's actually a God-honoring God position to be in and to take part in. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, th this is not something that's just uh, unique to South Africa. In fact, uh, in recent years here in the United States, we've had multiple mass shootings and terrorist attacks on churches. We had uh, the one, of course, in South Carolina in 2015. Uh, more recently, we had uh, one in Texas where um, uh, numerous people were killed. Uh, and, and it seems like we're entering That's now right. a, a very dangerous time. We've got an open southern border. We've got, uh, you know, jihadists who who threaten and, and uh uh, occasionally even do act on these things um you know a lot of churches are starting to take security seriously and when we get back on, on the other segment i want to talk about you know the nature of terrorism why terrorists use terrorism why it's an effective tactic but uh what should churches be doing you think Charles, in these days that we live in uh to keep themselves safe and secure no alex i, I think uh, our attitude in missions all the time is prayer bible study and action um, and, you know, some of us, what, what we do is we use prayer as an excuse for doing nothing. And <laughs> that's not that's not the point. Uh, you know, the issue is that we pray about the issue. We study the issue and see what God's word teaches us on the issue and then get involved in application. And you can just imagine uh, after the attack in our church uh, in 1993, virtually every church in the whole of South Africa had a security ministry after that. And in fact, churches were getting calls from people. We don't know if they were terrorists or not, but they got threatening calls saying, you're going to be next. And so uh, people became very vigilant overnight. But we really shouldn't wait for these attacks uh, you know, to uh, 
prescribe our theology to us. We need to know what God's word teaches on these issues. We need to pray about it. We need to start protecting the innocent. Um, and we need to start preparing uh, for all this in our churches. In fact, my son is very big into the, into the world of internet said to me, uh, when I first wrote my book, you didn't get any traction uh, because in the Western world, churches weren't being attacked. It wasn't a big deal. Nobody could understand what you were writing about, Dad. Um, and now there is traction <laughs> because you've just mentioned a couple of uh, attacks. In Africa, we've had attacks for many years. We've had pastors buried alive by rebel soldiers. We've had uh, chaotic things happening in our churches here. So It's still going on to... all over Nigeria. you got jihadists coming in and trying to burn exactly. down whole congregations inside the church. It's horrific. That's huh? right. That's all right. In Mozambique, we've had um, trouble in the past. Uh, Rwanda, Burundi. I mean, one can go on, you know. Yeah. But uh, Christian men need to uh, get themselves organized. We need to stand for righteousness and truth. And we mustn't be cowards in the face of the enemies of God. Yeah. Excellent advice, Charles, and uh, thank you for those Bible verses. You know, uh, I think a lot of Christians aren't even aware that Jesus called on his followers to uh, sell their cloak if necessary to, to purchase a sword, right? The, the assault weapon of the day. And, That's um, right. you know, we are entering a very different era. You know, things have been peaceful in the United States largely uh, for a long time, but uh, we may be heading into a very different time. The John Birch Society has been working tirelessly since 1958 to preserve freedom, safeguard the Constitution, and restore our God-given rights. We continually educate voters and lead the freedom movement. Join us as we work against a tyrannical one-world government. United as one, we can defeat this conspiracy against a free America. JBS founder Robert Welch said, education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Join us in restoring this great nation. Uh, Charles, you guys were attacked by the uh, Zania People's Liberation Army, but uh, you know we, we've talked a lot in the New American Magazine about the um, the outside support that terrorist groups in South Africa were receiving from the Soviet Union, from the Cubans, from others. Uh, so terrorism is actually a, a well thought out tactic. This is not just you know some random thing. Somebody goes in and, and shoots people. Uh, talk a little bit about the background there. Why was terrorism being used in South Africa? Was it an effective tool? And um, you know what were the forces behind the scenes supporting this? Well, really interesting. The Azanian People's Liberation Army were actually being trained by Muslims in South Africa. I mean, one wonders how on earth that could ever be put together, but they they certainly had a common enemy. And uh, in a an interview, in a press interview once with the commander Letlap and Bechlele of of the attackers, um, a reporter said to him. Why did you take part in this attack? Everybody in South Africa was already sitting around the negotiation table. They were preparing a new constitution, an all-inclusive constitution. Why the attack? And his words were very appropriate. He said, this was a terrorist attack in the true sense of what terrorism is all about. We did it to instill fear in the whites in South Africa. And that's it. Literally, Alex says it's all. It's about fear. It's a it's a tactic that works very well. You can just imagine after that, all the white people in South Africa are saying to the negotiators at the table, just give the communists whatever they want. We don't want any more trouble. We want to live in peace. And we didn't get our peace. Um, this was 30 years ago. We're not living in peace. Our country's wrecked. It's falling to pieces. Um, the communists have ruined everything. They cannot produce anything. They can only wreck. They can't even maintain, never around produce. They can't even maintain anything. They've ruined the country. The country's gone on the drain. 
And uh, this this is what we're sitting with now for giving into them. And it doesn't matter which country you are, uh, what your cultural background is. Um, terrorism is there to instill fear. And the ideology is used by thugs, whether they become legalized thugs in government or they're thugs on the street or they are, you know, out, out there in the what we call the townships in the shanty towns or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's the same philosophy. And that is the big guy with a gun is going to call the shots and you will listen and do whatever you are told. It's all about control at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and leading up to the uh, St. James massacre, uh, South Africa had been plagued by really vicious terrorism. I mean, the, the bombing of civilians, the bombing of shopping malls, uh, women and children deliberately targeted. Um, and, and, you know, this was not just a, a wholly native grown operation uh, the Soviet Union, the East Germans, the, the Cubans, uh, various communist regimes from around the world were uh, supporting and training and funding this kind of terrorism. Of course, the ANC had its own uh, military wing, the MK. Um, talk a little bit about that, the, the outside forces that were uh, fomenting terrorism. And, and was it effective, Charles? I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, everybody was already sitting around the negotiating table. But in the run up, was terrorism an effective tactic at uh, getting what the communists wanted? Uh, I believe so. I believe uh, terrorism is a, a great tactic on their part for their cause. And at the end of the day, to them, the end does justify the means. And so whatever um, I'll, I'll give you one example, too, is uh, that the young man that I shot inside the church, I've since um, he was incarcerated, I had to appear in the High Cape High Court and witness against him. I went to visit him in prison, and we were talking about th these uh, these ideas there. And interestingly enough, I know uh, many people don't like to hear this, but this young man said to me, the way to kill terrorism is to not report on it. Um, now, that's an interesting, I mean, no reporter wants to hear that. None of us want to hear that. <laughs> right. And um, I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, how do I tell people in the West this? But he literally said to me, if you don't report on it, nothing happened. Um, and, and that's a really interesting way of thinking of it. And that's the young man that I shot inside the church, you know. Um, and so they they very, um, the other thing about the young chaps, they were terrorists that attacked us. And it's it's one of these things in that world that the African National Congress, Nelson Mandela's group, they would use women and children and put them right in the front of all the demonstrations they did when they were burning cars and breaking windows and looting and causing absolute havoc. They would put young women and young children in the front of the uh, their demonstrations, knowing that the police didn't want to shoot rubber bullets at them or tear gas and that sort of thing. And these young men that shot up our church were teenagers. They were youngsters. And there's method behind their madness because they would be tried as children and not as adults in our court systems. So these these people are way ahead of us. Um, the other interesting thing, Alex, was when I spoke to these young men, is they were very astute. They were fully indoctrinated. They knew why they were involved in the cause, what they were doing. They were willing to give their lives for it and could give a full rundown on their worldview. And then I look at other teenagers in our churches today, and what are we doing? Well, we're playing games. Mm -hmm. We don't even know. We don't even know what a biblical worldview is. Certainly, nobody's willing to die for Christ. <laughs> you know, uh, we're just doing the bare minimum to slip into heaven. Um, <laughs> right. and, and, so, and so, this is—it's it's really uh, very, very uh, disconcerting. And while we're on the topic, the the young man I shot too told me that he's going to heaven for fighting a just political cause. 
Well, he believed in what was called liberation theology, and he believed that with by killing people in the church and fighting for his just political communist system, he believed he was going to earn his way to heaven. And I'd explain to him that the Bible's very clear that we say by God's grace through faith. The grace comes from God. The faith is a gift from God, and we cannot earn our way into heaven. And I said, besides that, most people believe they can get into heaven by, by doing good deeds. What you did was evil. It was wicked. You're not going to heaven for, for doing this, you know. And so we had these um, ideas. But that liberation theology is literally a backup for, for communist incitement and for causing trouble um, around the world. And, and, and what a terrible theology that is. Yeah, it, it really is. And, of course, the Bible even talks about, um, you know, these uh, people in uh, uh, John 16, verse 2. There's a time coming where um, people will kill you and they'll think they're offering a service to God. I mean, it sounds just like uh, this uh, very confused young fellow. Uh, we're down to just about three sure. minutes, Charles. Um, you know, the uh, Israel, of course, is facing uh, attack from Hamas. Uh, the United States uh, has been facing these types of attacks for some time, and I suspect we'll face much more in the days to come. Uh, how should the West be responding? And, you know, I, I've talked many times about the very real parallels between what happened in South Africa, what's happening in the United States right now. How should Christians and how should the Western world be responding to this? Um, I think uh, back to the whole idea of prayer, Bible study, and action, Alex. It's just such a simple idea, but we need to be praying um, about these issues. We need to be praying for our leaders. Uh, we need we need God's wisdom for them and for us. And then one of the areas that we really need to consider from a theological perspective is the imprecatory prayers of the Psalms, where David was praying war prayers against the enemies of God. He wasn't praying blessings upon God's enemies. And so we need to get our prayers in order, first of all. Um, we need to study the scriptures on what does God think about violence. You know, and violence is the immoral use of force. Most Christians don't even understand these little, these simple concepts. Like I've been told, oh, you know, the terrorists attacked the church and they were violent, but you were you also used violence to to stop that. No, that's not violence. Uh, violence is the immoral use of force. The Bible tells us when we can take life and when we can't. And those are the only times we're allowed to take it. Terrorism is not one of those times. Defending innocent life with lethal force is a godly, appropriate way to, um, to act when innocent life is being threatened. So we really need to understand our definitions. Violence is the immoral use of force. Self-defense is the moral, biblically moral use of force. And then we need to, we need to put into action there are too many Christians that are just are pew warmers. They literally do nothing else except sit on their behinds and just hope for the best. We need to become active. We need to write letters to the editor. We need to get onto radio shows. We should be writing blogs. We can take part in radio discussions. And and there's always a place for you. You know, sometimes um, if you just write a letter to the editor, and I know your country's really big and there's hundreds of millions of people, but um, in South Africa, sometimes we would write a letter to the editor and it'll be picked up and they'll want to do an interview or do a report on that on that issue for you, or they want to in, uh, invite you to a radio or TV show because you've put out a press statement on something. Get involved. There are many organizations that are desperately needing uh, your input and your help, um, just like your organization. So we can't keep quiet anymore. I think... The Bible is very clear that we must have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Amen. And that's a, that's a command from God. And if we're not exposing them, we are in sin. 
Now, I know that's pushing it a bit, but <laughs> that's what I really believe. <laughs> no, I, I think you're exactly right, Charles. These, these are clear admonitions from the scripture. And folks, uh, our country is under attack. In fact, uh, the, our churches are under attack. Our families are under attack. Uh, Charles Von Veek, I want to thank you so much for coming on. The book uh, is uh, extraordinary. Uh, Shooting Back, The Right and Duty of Self-Defense. And your website, ministryinafrica.com. That's ministryinafrica.com. Check it out, folks. This is uh, very, very fundamental in today's day and age. So get over there, get the book, check out the website, and uh, sign up at The New American. If you're not yet a subscriber to The New American, go to thenewamerican.com. Sign up for the free daily headlines and for the printed magazine. Thanks again for listening. This is Conversations That Matter. Until next time, God bless you all. Sophia paused before the door. It read, Department of Biodigital Convergence. Just inside was a new world, a better world, the one of everlasting life, of no pain, of no loss, of no problem. She entered the chamber and her surroundings changed. She saw around her an infinite field of waving golden grain surmounted by cloudless blue sky. The AI voice whispered gently in her mind, Welcome to the singularity. She couldn't see it and couldn't feel it, but her body had almost instantly been covered by a swarm of tiny gray multi-legged bots that melted through her clothes and into her skin. Not perceiving the nightmare, her eyes had already been consumed and the rest of her body was dissolving as the bots digested her flesh. She felt only a warmth suffusing her being. Drowsy, she drifted to sleep, and her last thought was one of panic. Would she ever wake? Could a nightmare vision like this be an outcome of the much-hyped transhumanist technological singularity? Enter the world of the future as illuminated by the experience of the past in Endgame. The new book by Dennis Barrett, the publisher of The New American Magazine, and find out how the disastrous COVID pandemic response fits with the technocratic elite's thirst to create a transhumanist utopia. Get Endgame from shopjbs.org with free shipping with code ENDSHIP, E-N-D-S-H-I-P. Or get Endgame and the Great Reset Collector's Issue of the New American Magazine and get free shipping plus an additional 20% off both with code N20, E-N-D-2-0.